Hi, it's friend of the show, Jim Conkle. You're listening to the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. And now to your host, Jack Walker and Paula Jamis. Welcome to another edition of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. Uh, we're going to go back to May 21st, 2018. And we're going to take a listen to an episode about surface tolerant coatings. So we're going to start off this episode. Thanks, and we hope you enjoy the show. We picked a topic in a very controversial manner. Uh, we, we got our hands slapped by EHS, so unfortunately, we're, we're not allowed to pick a topic via knife anymore. Yeah, I'm sure you all heard that reprimand that we got that we were going to have to fill out some safety violations. But they didn't say anything about a slingshot. They sure didn't. <laughs> no, they so, didn't. So we have a new board yep, but with on new that, topics. On that board is organic zinc, fusion bonded epoxy, German politicians, and surface tolerant coatings. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put my blindfold on again. I got my slingshot here. And I'm going to move far to the side this time. Yeah, let's. Okay, so we're going to do the safe thing. We're going to take our time. Paul, are you out of the way? I am out of the way, and I have safety glasses on, Jack. All right, here we go. Woo! What did we hit? We hit surface-tolerant coatings. All right. Now that we have today's topic... So surface-tolerant coatings. Okay, what do we mean when we say surface-tolerant? Does that mean we're, like, tolerant of surfaces? So it means you can just apply it right over the mud and the, the bird droppings that are sitting right there on that steel beam. Is that what we're talking about? Well, kind of. Not really. I mean, how SSPC, that's the Secret Society of Protective Coatings. I'm just kidding. That's the Society for Protective Coatings with, a, you know, just an extra X. That S is silent. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, so defines what, it. So what we're looking at is anything that requires less than an SSPC SP6 commercial blast. Commercial blast. What that means is anything less than so that commercial blast allows for 33% staining on a substrate. Basically, if you have anything on your substrate other than steel and staining, we're talking about surface tolerant coatings. Usually when most people are going to talk about this, they're talking about something that they're going to hand tool or power tool clean. So we're using wire brushes. We're using uh, putty knives. We're scraping things off. And we always have to clean it first. I know we talk about, you know, just painting over whatever happens to still be there. But every one of these surface prep standards starts with clean it off. Knock off anything that's loose, whether that's with solvent or with water or pressure washers. But you always wash your substrate first. You know, when I started in this industry, I had an old timer tell me something that paint's not smart. So it's got good adhesive properties so it's going to stick to whatever you put it on to a certain extent so if that means dirt and debris and that and that's a problem because that dirt and debris will eventually come off the surface and take your paint with it yeah paint has much better adhesion properties than dust and pollen mm -hmm. so they're going to stick to the dust and pollen great and those are going to fall right off eventually you know we don't paint it because it's dirty yeah, so we don't have surface-tolerant coatings that are so surface-tolerant that it can handle the loose dirt, debris, coatings. Anything that's loose needs to be removed. That's right. So once we get it removed, some of the things that, that we want to look at is what types of coatings are there in this category? What is it? What resin technologies can we use 
that have surface tolerant properties. So for many, many years, the main surface tolerant coating that they used uh, was alkyds or oil-based, mainly due to the slow-drying properties of these coatings allowed them to wick into the different surface profiles and create really good adhesion. That's right. Those, those old-fashioned long-oil alkyds just took forever to dry, and in that process, they were able to maneuver around all those edges. I mean, I think you could watch your grandfather run a marathon before those coatings would actually cure. <laughs> they sure did. Some of them were measured in the terms of weeks. Yes. So whenever you got something that's taken that long, it's going to end up having good contact with the surface. And really, that's what we're trying to get. How do you get good contact with the sound surface? What that eventually ended up into was epoxy mastics. So epoxy mastics are really surface-tolerant epoxies. In most cases, they share a lot of that same property as those old-fashioned alkyds did is it's usually a slower-dry epoxy. The fast-dry ones, typically you need a little more surface prep in order to get that excellent adhesion, although there are some exceptions. Usually the slower-dry ones will develop better adhesion. With those epoxy mastics, that's if, if you pay attention to our own branding line, that's our Carbomastic line. So you're looking at Carbomastic 15, Carbomastic 615, Carbomastic 94. When you, when you hear Carbomastic, it's, it's okay for you to think surface tolerant. Right, and that, that was exactly the reason behind the naming of putting Mastic in that name. Another in, um, major change in this type of technology was penetrating sealers. These are typically epoxies as well. Uh, they're more in the high solids region, so they're either very high in solids or no solvent. So this is, uh, a lot of the times they're close to 100% solids, and they are very thin in viscosity. That's right, and they also usually go on very, very thin. And that idea is... You only want just barely enough to coat the surface. You're not looking to build a film. If you remember all the way back to episode one, we talked about Carbon Mastic 94, and that's a high solids epoxy mastic, but you can build a nice film with that. You're going to put that on at six, seven, eight mils dry film thickness on a coating like that, where the penetrating sealers are usually just one to two mils is all you're looking to put on. And there's a couple reasons for this. We really go to the penetrating sealers when we talk about overcoat systems. And why that's important is the low to no solvent doesn't activate what the coating is that's currently on your system. Yeah, the worst thing that could happen is you put a system on there that softens or weakens the existing coating or the edges or starts to peel up edges. That kind of negates the purpose of what you just did of, you know, knocking off all the loose stuff if you create more loose stuff. So you're looking at something that's not going to add a lot of solvent to it, which will leave the integrity of what's existing in place. Which is really important because a lot of the coating systems of the 60s and 70s were very highly loaded in solvent. And when you put new solvent over them, it tends to reactivate those coatings and they come straight off the surface. You'll see a lot. It's been in the last couple of decades, it's become more and more important to understand the maximum recoat window of the coatings that you're working with the existing coatings, because with such low solvent contents in these high solids epoxies, there's not a lot of solvent there to wet it out. Where it used to be when you had a, a coating system that was only 30 or 40% solids, that's a lot of solvent. And they would always dissolve into and create a great bond. 
the high solid ones, now you have to pay attention to what is the maximum recoat window. The key always with surface tolerant coatings is expectation. You should know that if you go the surface tolerant route, that the cleanliness of the substrate directly correlates with the surface life. So if you do skip a step, maybe, you know, blast might not be practical at your job site. However, you will shorten the overall service life of your coating system. You know, one of the documents that at Carboline we always refer back to is the service life of coatings document that NACE puts out. Every couple of years they do an update to it. It started out originally as part of the Revort report. That was the original paper and the author of the original paper. That's right. And it was a really extensive independent study. Paint companies were involved. Engineers and inspectors were involved. Painters were involved. And they went through and said, how long really do these systems last? And, and this is still really a great report, and we refer to it all the time, because it will do things like compare a surface-tolerant epoxy coating with a hand tool or power tool clean, so an SP2 or an SP3 cleaning, compared to the same system done with a commercial blast or better surface prep. And when you do these types of comparisons, we can look at a difference of as many as, as 9 or 10 years increased longevity by the additional surface prep. Now, that may not always be in your budget, because we know that labor is the most expensive part of any coding project. So, if you're spending all your money on labor for surface prep, you may not reap that benefit in those extra couple of years because not everything is nine years apart. Some of them you only gain two or three years. So yeah, that expectations for surface tolerant coatings when, you, when you're deciding whether or not you're going to do an overcoat, a full blast, any things like that, you really have to weigh in all of the different factors. The labor, the material costs, the surface life. It, it all becomes an important factor when you are making these coding engineering decisions. It really does. And, it, and it's something that you really need to think about at the beginning when you put on your first coding system is how many times do you expect it to be top coated or over coated throughout the life of it? Because that's going to be factored into how long that system lasts, is how, how long those original coatings will last. And then the environment that these coding systems are placed in is very important you know, if you're in a rural environment in the middle of the country and you only are going to see atmospheric service, you, you could probably get away with multiple overcoats. Whereas if you're in a chemical plant next to the ocean, you know, you're going to get very little maximum overcoats. Right. And those environments play a huge factor into how much cleanliness work you have to do. You know, do you have salts on it? Do you have contamination on your surface? Is there acids around? What do you have there that you need to remove? Because if those are there when you overcoat them, that is going to have a huge adverse effect on your surface life. Kind of summarize what we've talked about here with surface tolerant coatings is just because you're coating a surface tolerant doesn't mean that you can apply over dirt, mud, things like that. You need to have a clean surface. Ideally, you would have a clean surface with an angular profile because you've blasted, but if blasting isn't capable, this is where these surface tolerant coatings come in. They, they stick to the smoother surfaces better. The technology, coating-wise, makes a difference. But most important, when you do this, the expectations of your overall performance and job have to be adjusted to your coating system and surface prep. It really is. That's a, 
a common question that we get here in tech service is, how long is this going to last? And and the response is typically, how much work are you going to put into surface prep? And what's the environment that it's in? Every little factor in a coding job will affect the overall coding service life. It's why it's such a hard question to answer because every little factor. I mean, you could look at a, a tank. If half of the tank is in the shade all day while the other half of the tank isn't, that's not that's something that is job site specific that can't be controlled by your coding manufacturer. And it's the same coding system, but guess what? The one that's in the sun all day is going to last a lot shorter lifespan than the one that gets to hide out in the shade all day. It sure does. And another thing that we see is if you're downwind from uh, an emission stack of something, anything that's coming out of that stack, you're going to see one side of that structure downwind is always going to degrade faster than, than the side that's protected. So knowing those in advance, even the most surface tolerant products aren't going to overcome environmental differences or quite honestly, not removing the chemicals that were already present. So we can keep going on this forever. And so, for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd we'd like like to to thank thank you for your support. support.